0: This is Open Book with Betty's Booklist, the show where your favorite authors are an open book and tell me all about their exciting new releases. Today, I'm joined by the amazing Michelle Scott. Michelle is the best selling author of 36 novels and also writes under the pen name A.K. Alexander. She loves horses, cooking, wine, writing, and has given me so much amazing writing advice over the past few months. I am totally taken by her Cozy Wine Lovers Mystery Series, which is what we're going to be discussing today. Well, Michelle, it's so nice to talk. I'm so happy you could come on. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here, too. It's exciting. Yeah, it's so fun. So I absolutely loved your series. I just finished book 3. I'm really excited for book 4. I've never read a cozy wine lover's mystery like this. Could you tell me a little bit about your series? Sure. Um so I wrote this series
1: quite a bit ago, but it seems to become very relevant these days and um I had been writing uh, thrillers and I was in the wine country and kind of got this idea. I'd grown up watching like Nancy Drew and reading, you know, mysteries and stuff. So I got this idea that wouldn't it be kind of fun to do a murder mystery set in the wine country? And I was also studying wine and I loved to cook. And so it just kind of all came together when I, you know, I did this, what if a dead body was found you know on a vineyard and then I went from there and and then I thought wow it'd be really fun to add in the wine pairings and a recipe with in the chapters where my main character Nikki um will either cook a meal or go out for a meal so that's that's really how it all started
0: I absolutely love how there's a wine pairing and a recipe with each chapter like I'm no cook at all but it makes me want to be cooking all the recipes so I can be eating and drinking it right along with her such a great idea. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. And, and I, I, it's kind of was what I was hoping that people would read them and say, gosh, I want to, I want to make this meal. And I do get emails where people will, will say I, I made, you know, whatever recipe it was and it really enjoyed it. And so that's, that's a part of the fun of the series, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you create all the recipes or are they ones that you've just used in the past? Where do they all come from? So kind of varies. So the kind
1: of cook I am, I don't typically read recipes unless I'm baking, because I I'm I'm not a baker. I'm a, I do love to cook, but I don't baking. You have to be really precise. I feel like, and with cooking, I change it up. So what I've always done, so some of those recipes I would like like Google, and I would say, oh, what would pair well with you know this Chardonnay. And I would find something and then I would put my own spin on it. So and that's what I do now. I mean, I've always collected cookbooks and I'll read through cookbooks and look at pictures and see, well, what what ingredients go with what? And then I tend to put my own spin on it. So that's how it comes about.
0: That's cool. It seems like you're a bit of a wine expert, too. I know we have a few glasses of wine to talk to everyone about. I'll pull up the first one. Which one do you want to start with?
1: Well, we should probably start with the rosé, right? The bubbles, because that's typically the order that it would go. So I'll grab mine. Cheers. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't say I'm a wine expert more than a wine lover, but I've had the privilege to know people in the industry who really helped me and taught me how to taste and taught me different notes and what goes with what. So And it's just always been kind of an interest and and passion that I've had. So, especially like I really love to know what what food is this going to pair well with.
0: Do you pair a certain chapter with a certain wine based on what the wine is? Like, would you be pairing a bubbly rosé with a certain type of chapter in your book? Yeah, you know,
1: it's this is this is a nice wine like for actually Valentine's Day, like little romance, right? It's it's a pretty light blush color. it has the bubbles it's so it's effervescent it's a, also this wine is a great like wedding like if i think i i can't remember which book cuz there's nine books in this series but there was a pairing with a rosé and i think she was at Nikki was at the spa. I'm trying to remember, but it's like a really good wine. This is a good for, if you have a book club, a bridal shower, um, anything like that, because it's so light and it pairs really well with salads. Uh, Like a a really good salad, this would pair well with. Super simple. You just wanna take some arugula, a little shaved watermelon or any kind of melon, little feta, and then top with um, like a balsamic and olive oil dressing. Maybe even if you want to top it with a little mint, super refreshing. And this is, it would be good for the summer because this is a great summer wine.
0: Do you get a lot of like photos from book clubs and groups that are reading the book and cooking and drinking along with it?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because I've been invited to do those kinds of book clubs and uh, it was really fun. There's been a couple I've been to where they've done say one of the books and they do each lady will bring a recipe from that book. And then we, we talk about the murder mystery part, but you know, you tend to, after you have a couple of glasses of wine and you're, you're eating, um, it just turns into, it's just a really fun time. So I do get that.
0: That sounds like my ideal evening. Like everything <laughs> I would want to do with my girlfriends. Right? Now, how do you come up with the plot? What inspires you?
1: Um, actually, it's funny. I just got asked this the other day too kind of everything inspires me. Um, you can be anywhere. For instance, I was at a wedding reception when I got asked this question the other night. And I said, well, for somebody who writes murder, it's very easy. Like I could be sitting in this room and look around and say, hmm, it start questioning like, who is that person? And what if I walked into the bathroom or I walked behind the scenes or you know the, the reception and I found a dead body and then it would go from there. So. I mean, for me, it's just kind of everywhere I go and I do a lot of listening and uh, watching people. So it's kind of kind of how I get inspired. Also, I watch a lot of um, real crime TV and read a lot of real crime. So it comes from there, too.
0: I love crime TV. I watch a ton of like SVU type shows. I think they're so fun.
1: They are. They are. Yeah. I was watching. When I did that, started this series, a lot of like uh, CSI and and that kind of stuff.
0: But something I loved about your books is that even though it's around a murder, it still feels feels really light and fun. How do you balance that, having it be a mystery but also feel so warm and light? I think that it comes from the
1: characters, right? Like I think that good character study. And, find, and I like to write a character who has a sense of humor. And I think Nikki has that, but she also has her sidekicks who have it more so. So they feed off of each other and it just makes it fun. I think it, you know, um, when you write a series like this and you know you're gonna be dealing with a murder mystery, for me, I really enjoy adding the the comedy piece into it. Cause it's, it just makes it a little bit different than what's maybe always out there. You know, I mean, on the flip side, I write the I write a series of dark thrillers. Very different. No comedy. Right. So it I like doing the back and forth. I like flipping from one type of book and then writing another type of book.
0: Mm-hmm. And having read one of your thrillers, I can say that it is totally different. It feels like night and day. And now I know when you write your thrillers, you use the pen name A.K. Alexander. How did you decide to use a pen name? What's the thought behind that?
1: Well, I did for the very reason you just brought up is that there is the murder mysteries, the cozies are so light in comparison and they do have the comedy. And so that, and that runs along the entire series, right? And so I knew demographically, I wasn't sure that I, I was gonna have the same readership. And I, I don't, I think there's some transference but not a lot because somebody who reads a dark serial killer who really loves that, that type of book may not like a light cozy and vice versa. So that's really, that's why I decided to do it that way.
0: That totally makes sense. How many of your readers do you think know that you're both people? Do you think you have some diehard fans like myself who know that you're both AK Alexander and Michelle Scott?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not something that I, I keep, you know, under the, under the book, so to speak. It's like, um, I think I think there are some people who know, maybe there are some who don't. I've even gotten emails where some people think AK Alexander is a man, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I do have some that, you know, and and you can go to my sites and they, they interchange and same with all my social media, there'll be, you know, stuff that I've written under the AK Alexander name and then stuff that I write under my name, which is the cozies. So, Um, I
0: do think that
1: that there is some crossover.
0: I know, it's really interesting. Typically, I read thrillers and I read romance, but Mm -hmm. yours was the first book that I felt like had really intertwined the two genres that I like because it had a murder, it had a thrilling aspect, but felt like a romance. And to bring us over to romance, I absolutely love the romance in this series. For people who haven't yet read it, Nikki has an amazing love interest, Derek, and then she also enters into a love triangle as the stories go on. Really, in yeah. book two is when it started to feel like a triangle to me.
1: Yeah, it does. And, and that was the intention, right? Because um, writing it, oh, <coughs> excuse me, I, um, I wanted to I wanted to give Nikki options. And I wasn't even sure as the writer, when I was like doing book three, which you just finished, like you said, which direction is Nikki going to go? So, um, I really wasn't, I, I knew where the readership was leaning and it was kind of funny because I, at points were was leaning the other way, but oh my
0: God, really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But then I, but then I decided, you know what the, the, the emails that I was getting from the readership and and the direction that the stories were being written I thought that okay she should probably go in this direction and I won't give any spoilers which way she goes
0: well I'll let you all know I am 1000 percent team Derek but when you guys <laughs> all read the book after this video you can go to the comments and tell me what team you're on
1: it'll be interesting to see after you know these have been out for a while what what people say
0: Yeah, I wonder if people reading it when it came out versus people reading it now would have a different opinion. Like, it's really interesting because typically I would be the person to just say like, go with the guy who's like so upfront with his feelings, but that's not how I feel when I read the book. So it's so interesting to hear that you almost, or that you didn't know which way she would go.
1: I didn't, I didn't, I kind of, sometimes your characters start to write their own story which is really fun when you're writing, you're, you know, you get surprises. Um, I always outline and I always have pretty detailed character biographies, but I still am surprised at points where I, something comes in, and I say, oh, wow, actually, I think this would be a better, this would, would be a better road to go down with the story. So,
0: yeah. That's so interesting. You know, I want to hear more about your outlining process, but first, do you want to tell everyone a bit about the second wine pairing we have? Oh.
1: Okay. Yes. Hang on. Let me grab it. We do a Chardonnay and this particular one that I picked is, um, it's a very California Chardonnay. And what I mean by that is California Chardonnays tend to be buttery, more oaky. Um, they're, they're a little bit bolder. There also is a type of Chardonnay that what we would say has more mineral to it, might have more of a citrus to it, uh, a little bit lighter. Those are quite popular now. Um, I tend to go old school and really like the buttery, buttery chardonnay, big buttery chardonnays. I haven't changed really in thirty years that I've been drinking wine. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and I would, if if you were gonna pair like a buttery one like this, this is so good with with fish chicken, um, I think there's a chicken in one of the books, I think it's Murder by the Glass, where there's like a mango um, uh, chili type chicken dish, and it this would go really, really well with that. So, and then if I was gonna do the lighter one, uh, I probably would do like a shrimp scampi, something like that along those lines. Hopefully everybody out there has their own wine glass going too, and we can all partake together.
0: Now, when you're outlining, jumping back to outlining, do you figure out everything Nikki's going to do and then feed in recipes that like make sense in the moment? Or sometimes is it the reverse? And you know like, oh, I really want her to like go to this fancy event and eat this meal. Maybe I can work it in.
1: You know, now I typically know what Nikki's going to do. And then the recipes come in after that. Um, When I write, so, and I'm doing what the first, that first draft, I just get that first draft out on, onto the page, so to speak, or on the computer, right? And um, I don't do a whole lot of description. My, I'm very heavy dialogue. So I'll write out a lot of dialogue. And then if I know that where the scene is gonna be, like, I know it's gonna be a restaurant, you know, I'll put, I'll put in parentheses, restaurant described later. Uh, you know, whatever meal they're having describe later, just because I don't want to get bogged down when I have really great dialogue happening. Um, Then I go back in and add. So that's typically how I would do that. If I, but if I do know, like, I know there's, you know, we did, I did a wedding one and I knew we were going to, she was going to have to have a big meal. I I kind of worked around that the way you, the second part, like when you asked me. So, but typically I know exactly what Nikki's Nikki's going to do.
0: Mm-hmm. That advice about um, writing something in parentheses to come back to it when you're really flowing is such fantastic advice. I know so many of you watching are interested in writing yourself. And that's something that Michelle told me a few weeks ago and made a huge difference when I was feeling stuck or just feeling like I wanted to get something on the page. Knowing what you're going to come back to has been so, so helpful for me personally. It's fantastic advice.
1: Yeah, you know, here's the thing. We're our own worst critic, right? And especially for anybody who's just starting out on writing, I am a proponent of what I call puking the first draft out, right? So just get something out. It does not have to be perfect at this point. That's not what we're worried about. Just get your ideas out, get your story told. You can all, and it's, it's essentially that first draft is your skeleton. And I do a lot of prep work like you and I have discussed with, before I really sit down and write that first draft. But you have time to go back and really fill in those holes and start doing your editing. Otherwise, I've seen it happen where people will write chapter one, and then it's, they don't feel it's good enough. So they go back and they rewrite chapter one and they re in the next, thing you know, it's six months down the line and they're still on chapter one. So the only way to get a book done is to really get that, that uh, your, that story that's within you told as basic as you can, and then go back and really add in all of those pieces.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what I did when I wrote. I wrote the whole thing in a month and a half and then revised for basically forever. And revising can be so intimidating. So it's so great to hear from someone who uses that method and is able to really go, go back and revise. Can you tell me a little bit more about your revision process? How long that takes? Do you work with someone? What does it look like? Yeah.
1: I mean, revising is really where the writing really comes in. When you, when you go into those second, third, fourth drafts, that's where you're really writing. Like I said, that first draft is a skeleton. And um, my process, uh, I don't know if you want to hear from A to Z, like you and I've talked about, but like I do, again, a lot of prep work. So I have a really great outline. I really, you know, and that doesn't mean that things don't, change it doesn't mean that i get you know i might get to chapter 8 on my outline and i realize chapter 8 should be chapter 14 and chapter 14 should be ch- chapter 10 particularly in a mystery because it's it's like a puzzle so you're moving it's a moving part so once you get that first draft out you can really take a look at that and and what i tend to do is after the first draft is written I'll go back and answer all of those pieces like what we just talked about better in parentheses. So, describe an area, um, you know, I need to give um, whatever it is, I need to describe the character, I need to give a certain tone, whatever that piece is, that's what that draft will look like. Then after that, I go through and I read it and I start with a legal pad, I've got one right here, um, where I'm asking, Questions, right? Where I didn't really fill it in, like I'll ask, particularly say police procedural questions that I might not know, and I'll say, you know, how would blood splatter look, you know, if if a person was killed in this wet manner, right? Um, so those are the questions I'm going to write out. Then I'm going to go back and I'm going to do my research, and if it's if it's something like that, I will get a hold of somebody like a homicide detective. I've worked with a few of them and say and ask these questions. And then I'll start filling that hole in. So you're at this point, you're on draft three. Draft four should be for me pretty solid. All those questions have been answered. There's been a lot of cleanup. And that's when I start working with an editor. That's when I'm comfortable to send it to an editor who then he or she will give me their input. And I may agree which I typically do with, with some of the story content stuff that editors will give me, I might not. And ultimately it's your story. So you get to decide that. Um, and then once those issues are addressed, uh, I will send it off to a copy editor and then there we go. And you kind of have to get to a point, And this is again for, for people just starting to write um, where you, you're willing to let that book go you've you get you have to get to a point where you say this is the best I can do because 10 years from now if you're writing as long as I've been writing which has been over 30 years I've looked at stuff that I wrote 30 years ago man I could have done so much better right but I did the best I could at that time because the great thing about writing and life in general is you're you're always growing right you're always getting better at what you're at your craft at least that's the idea so i highly recommend courses and books on writing and talking to other writers because you can never get enough information on the craft that was kind of a long-winded story or on um,
0: how i do my revisions but there you go like michelle said Ooh. we've talked a lot about this because she's been a fantastic amazing mentor to me and has taught me so much And so I hope you all can play that back and take notes and remember it because I can confirm it's so, so helpful. I really
1: love teaching writing. Like I love working with other writers and have done it quite a bit in conferences. So this is, as soon as you told me about it, I'm like, I'm definitely in,
0: yeah. I also love what you said about thinking of your writing as your own business, because that truly is what your writing is. And I think Mm -hmm. that investment in yourself is so amazing. And I think that's so empowering to hear and something I don't hear often. You know, I think a lot of people think you write the book and then you're done. But something that I really admire about you is how much work you put into continuing to promote your books because they're part of your brand. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, so here's the
1: thing. And it doesn't matter if you're traditionally published, which I have been, or you're indie published you, you do need to run it like a business. You've got to look at it that way. Now you love writing and that's the key. As long as you're passionate about what you're doing and you, you love what you're doing. That's the, that's the first part, right? But managing this, even on the finances and looking at it that way and what's my best marketing prospect and and also getting a good team behind you at some point that can that can guide you with your social media which is what I have now and and things like that it is really really vital Um, and even when I was traditionally published I was doing it this way as well I was staying really on top of it I also say When somebody emails you and they love your book, you answer them, you know, not an assistant, not you're, you're doing that work and it comes through your readership grows that way. They, they know that when you're authentic with them and, you know, I just think that's really, and I just think that's really vital.
0: Mm -hmm. I always like to say it's better to have 100 true loyal fans than a thousand people that are wishy-washy, you know? Oh
1: yeah, totally. And it's really interesting when you get really loyal fans, I can remember this happening to me. Uh, And I'm just going to also tell you this, don't read your Amazon reviews, don't read the reviews. (laughs) It's just my opinion. But I used to obsess back in the day when I first started out with publishing and it took me a long time to be published. And I would read them and some of them are just scathing. Most of them are great, but some not. And your loyal readership they will get your back. I can tell you that much. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, the arguments I would see, I just be like it's fine. Everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, I would agree with you on that.
0: Well, do you want to um, dig into our last wine? Mine is a Cabernet. It's a great, this is a great food wine
1: as far as whether you're doing a red pasta um, or any kind of steak, any kind of meat. This will go, you know, very well with, I'm also not a huge believer in you have to pair, say a red with a meat or a white with shellfish or whatever. You know, there are those people out there who will say that. And my personal belief is like you just said, you're not really a red wine drinker. My personal belief is drink what you like, right?
0: Yeah. Well, could you tell me a bit about your origin story, how you first got published, what your path has been?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to write ever since I was a little girl. And fortunately I had, a, a my dad was, was integral in that, in helping me make that decision. I was like nine years old and I had written a short story on one of his legal pads and he read it. And he looked at me and he said, you're a writer. And it just not only did it cement that in me, it's helped me as a parent when one of my kids has chosen a certain path and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to back you on that because that's what you want to be and that's what you're good at, right. So. Then, um, I, when I went to college, I studied journalism and I thought I wanted to go into broadcast journalism, but I did still always wanted to write fiction. Um, and I had, uh, right out of college, I had my first son and he was pretty preemie. So I couldn't go to work. There wasn't a lot that I could do. I need to be home with him, which by the way, he's great now. He's almost 31 years old and he's amazing. And, you know, so he's obviously healthy, but, uh, at the time when I was home with him, we didn't have the internet and there was a correspondence course through what's called Writer's Digest, it was a big magazine that I was always reading. And I thought, well, I'm just gonna take this, this course. So that's what I did. And I would, I would do a lesson and I would mail it to the teacher and then he would mail me back suggestions and it went from there. And that book I revised 10 years ago and republished it. My first book, it's titled Covert Reich. It's under the AK Alexander because it's a thriller. Um, but then I wrote, that was in 1991. Um, so I wrote for 13 more years before I was ever published and wrote eight full manuscripts at that during that time and probably eight partials at least. And I just I had what was called uh, Marketing Mondays, and on Marketing Monday I had a guide, and it's still available. They do it annually. It's Jeff Herman's Guide to I think I think this is what I, I know it's Jeff Herman. Jeff Herman's Guide to Literary Agents, Editors, and Publishers. And in that guide, it will tell you like what each agent is looking for, whether that's nonfiction. They get very specific. Whether it's romance, whatever that is. Oh yeah. Um,
0: I think an online version of that now is called Manuscript Wishlist.
1: Yeah. Great. So what I would do on, on marketing Mondays was I would pitch, I'd have a list and I would send out to five or six different agents via mail and, you know, query. Um, and so, (sighs) the mailman probably hated me because I couldn't wait till the mailman would show up and then I would get all these rejections and I would get pretty down and and it was um a few years this was like probably probably 2003 yeah maybe 2002 cuz it takes about 18 months before a book hits the shelf if you're going traditional right and I um I had submitted a thriller to Harper Collins, cold, cold submission. They had uh, written me back and said they really liked the book. This was a book that's now out titled, Mommy May I? This book, they really liked it, but it, then they came back a few months later and said, ultimately they decided to pass. So I was uh, pretty bummed out. I was like, you know, I'm at my, kind of the end of my rope here with all of this. And I remember being in the kitchen and, and my, my, my middle son was like nine or 10 at the time. And he saw me in there and I was, I was in tears reading this letter, thinking I, I'm done. I can't keep doing this. And he, he said, uh, mommy, don't you know that God wouldn't have given you this gift if he didn't think you could do it? So how do you give up after that? You don't, right? And so it was. Uh, it was right after that that I was in wine country, and I got the idea for Murder in Court. And I got this. I got the idea, and I started writing it. And I I submitted to uh, before I was ever done. I it, previously I'd finish a manuscript, then submit. And I thought, you know what? This takes such a, such a long process. I'm just gonna start submitting as I'm writing. And this was when emailed, we were finally, agents were starting to be accepting of email queries. And I sent a query to an agent and she wrote me back like the next day and said, I would love to see your entire manuscript. I thought, oh crap, <laughs> I don't have an entire manuscript. So I, I wrote her back and I said, that's great. Um, I need to do some edits on this. And she said, no problem. Send it to me when you're finished but I'd really like to take a look soon. So I thought, oh, my God, I'm only like 50 pages into this thing. So I wrote the manuscript uh, in about a month and a half, just like you've done. And I sent it off and I get a call from her about two weeks later. And fortunately, I had just been back in Napa again and I was living in Southern California. Then I'm now up in Northern California. So I'm only I'm about an hour away from Napa now, but I was up in the wine country and um and it, the reason it was fortunate, because when my agent called me, she said, I have an editor and they love, the, they love the book. They love this idea. And they want to know what the next two books in the series are about. I was like, okay, great. Um, when do they want to know? And she said, well, they want to know today if we're going to get a deal. And I'm like, okay, what do they need? And she said, they just need a page on the next two books. And again, that's why I say I was fortunate that I would just been in Napa and kind of sketching out new ideas. So I wrote those one pagers. And at the end of the day, uh, there was champagne and Chinese takeout because we'd had a deal. So (laughs) the series did really, really well. I did did six books for Penguin at the time. um, And then I've done three independently in that series. Um, And then, there was a turn in publishing where uh, during 2009, 2010, we had the recession where a lot of cozy authors were being dropped from various publishers. And it's just kind of part of the process for mid list authors, it just happens. And that was at the time that KDP showed up. So Kendall direct publishing. And I had all this, this backlist. Remember I had written eight manuscripts before ever being published. So I thought, well, you know what? I started reading blogs from other authors. Jay, I think it was Conrath um, started reading his blog. He was big on self-publishing and he'd done quite well as a traditional author too. So I thought, I'm just gonna do this. And I took all that backlist and I put it up on KDP. Nothing happened for a long time. You could check your numbers in real time, which was kind of neat and, just kind of let it go. And at the time I went to work for my family for personal reasons. My dad was ill. So I went to work and, and I, I was still writing, but not, not like I had been writing three, four books a year. And then I, I think I know what happened, but I'm not really sure. But I was one morning checking my reports and all of a sudden in real time, it's turning over. The numbers are just in the UK. It wasn't here. And I'm like, and it was daddy's home, which is the thriller, right? What's going on? And I call my dad, who was, again, my biggest supporter. And he's like, I told you this was going to happen. So I'm selling all of these books. And that book went to number one in the UK, Amazon, uh, in the, in the Kindle store uh, back in 2011. Then in 2012, in February, it happened here in the US where I'm seeing the numbers. So I had two books that went to, that book went to number one and Mommy Man went to number two in the UK, 2011. And then in 2012, early um, February, was Daddy's Home went to number four here. And it couldn't break, the first three books were in the Hunger Games series. So it didn't break that. Uh, But what happened was Amazon, who also has a traditional publishing unit, their mystery publisher came in and they bought the rights to Daddy's Home, uh, Blood and Roses, which I wrote for them. And then they came in and they bought two, three YA mystery series, that uh, mystery books from me in a series. So it just kind of went from there. And And that's really in a nutshell, kind of my story, you know, I've been, I I did take a little hiatus from writing for again, family stuff. And now I'm back writing full time and doing a new series and writing uh, the fifth thriller in the, in the Holly Jennings stuff. So yeah. And I got some pretty exciting stuff on the horizon with the wine mysteries.
0: Now, is there anything else you want to tell viewers, anything you want to plug, anything else?
1: Gosh, I think we covered so much. I think the only thing that I would add for anybody writing, this is the one way to get it done, and it came from my mentor Bryce Courtney, who's no longer here. He uh, was a best-selling, like the biggest best-selling Australian author of all time. And Bryce would say, people would say, "Well, how do you write a book?" And he would say, "Bum glue," and, you know, "a oh, bum glue," and like, "bum glue." Yeah. You got to glue your bum to the chair and just start writing. And that, that would be my biggest, probably best advice I could get is just sit down, get focused. And even if you did a page a day, you'd have a book in a year.
0: That is some good advice. Thank you all for watching. You can listen to an extended cut of Open Book on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Subscribe for more bookish content.